cliffcentral.com. Hello and welcome to another In Conference with Michael Jackson podcast right here on cliffcentral.com. This is the show, if you're a regular listener, you'll know, but if you're not, why aren't you? Where you get to meet the people that I'm lucky enough to meet on my world of conference travels. Top professional speakers, authors, gurus, entrepreneurs, venture capitalists. I mean, I, I meet a wonderful range of people, and a lot of them become mates, and I'm glad to tell you that my guest on this episode is a really, really good friend of mine. The only problem is he lives geographically in my spiritual hometown, Manchester in the UK, although he's in South Africa more often probably than me. He flies in and out. In fact, he's got more air miles on Qatar Airways than me, and that's not fair. Uh, His name is Andy Preston. He's one of the top sales professionals in the UK. Andy talks selling all over the world. He doesn't just do keynotes. He does sales training. He does workshops. He does stuff that people watch and get involved in, and they just go, oh my gosh, that is just incredible. He started his career as a professional buyer, switched around the desk, got into professional selling, sold better than everybody else, and now is one of the top salespeople in the world. Joining us on Skype from his home in Manchester, or just outside Manchester, Andy Preston, welcome to the program. How are you? Great, thank you, Michael. Hello to you and hello, everyone. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, my friend. It's uh, unusual for me to be at home for a couple of weeks. I'm back to uh, Dubai, South Africa and, and South America, so look, getting ready for another trip. I know, catching you at your home office. I think I've seen you once there before and we've known each other for many years. I mean, your top performing sales career, you started off as a newbie, you were hopeless at selling, you became the top salesperson in Britain. Yes, absolutely. In a very tough market. Yes, it was a it was a tough market at the time. And, and the interesting thing is it forced me to find a, way, a particular way of selling that suited me, trained my colleagues in that, and they got great results. And now, obviously, I've since 2004, I've trained 100,000 people in 28 countries how to do the same with, with great results. That's remarkable. And the reason he's able to achieve those great results, if you're listening to this now, is because of this. When Andy started, it was office products, wasn't it, originally? Office supplies. Office supplies and printing, absolutely. You had a few competitors. Yes, uh, 150 direct competitors in Manchester City Centre, which is my area, selling from the same catalogue, same product, same service, same quality. But because I worked for a franchise and we had to pay royalty fees to head office, I had to charge 15% more than everyone else. So you're 15% more expensive than your 150 other competitors on a same, same, same product basis, same quality, yep. same stuff. And you became the top salesperson in Britain. Yes. How? It, it was interesting, Michael, because I look back and I think many of us in the professional speaking community, we look back and there's been some sort of hardship or challenge that's that pushed us further to achieve more. And I think to me is I didn't realize or appreciate it at the time, but being put into that situation, it, you kind of come to realization that I can't really sell on the quality of the product because it isn't any better. I can't really sell on the service because we're all doing exactly the same thing. I, I certainly can't sell on price because I'm more expensive. So the difference that came to me was, so if everything else in the sales process is the same, I need to be the difference as the individual. So I need to be better than the other people I'm selling against to even have a chance. So I need to be better motivated, better focused, better at selling persuasion influence, better at the process, because that gives me chance, you know, gives me chance to compete with these other people. Without that, I'm lost. 
So what you were effectively saying is you had to find a way of standing out from the herd, the crowd. Absolutely. And I think it's the difference had to be me. And that's very much in the, in the standout selling process that I created and now train and, and speak about all over the world. It's about how the as business becomes more commoditized. Buyers have more choice than ever before. Competitors catch up with our innovation faster than ever before in history. As, as I know you'll talk about in your speeches as well, Michael, it becomes more about the individual than ever before. So it, it's, it's often down to salesperson versus salesperson in a creative agency pitch or a sort of legal pitch for business. It's often about the presentation skills of the individual mm-hmm. that gets people to buy into them the first few minutes or not. So it's, a, it's, it's the market now becomes less about the product or service and more about the individual. So if it's you versus your competitive salesperson, who's better? So what you're effectively selling is standout sales techniques, right? Absolutely. How do you get there? Most people just give up, Andy. They go, I can't do it. I mean, I don't know, for example, why you even took the job in the first place. Were you <laughs> desperate for that original office supplies job? <laughs> well, I, I think, Michael, if anyone who's ever been for a job interview and taken a job can probably tell you often what's promised at the sales in the, the job interview isn't necessarily what turns up in the job. You know, right. I had to Andy, we've got this fantastic product catalog. We, you know, we've got 56,000 products. Everybody needs what we have to offer. Every company needs what we have to offer, which is great. What they didn't tell me was 150 of our competitors have got the exact same catalog, and everybody you speak to already has an existing supplier that they're usually pretty happy with. You know, and there's very often I would, I would call at 11 o'clock in the morning to a prospect, and they'd say, oh, for God's sake, you're the eighth person being here today trying to sell us office supplies. Wow. Your, your mindset, yeah, and my kind of thing to that was great. How many did you buy from? None. Sounds like the perfect time for me to call then. You almost have to develop a very resilient mindset, whether, whether you say something like that or you just think it in your own mind. So that kind of resilience piece in that market, it, I look back at it now, most people think it's a curse. For me, it was a blessing. It taught me that I had to be better and push me to be better in the process, better at all the things that I train now, the different parts of the process and myself, without that, I wouldn't be a standout salesperson or a standout sales speaker. I'd be standard. Wow. Okay, and I, I get that. I'm, nobody wants to be standard. Most people just give up. I, mean, I, I hear your natural optimism. I can see you in my mind's eye going home on the first week of the job, scratching your head thinking, well, this is going to be tougher than they promised me at the interview. How the hell do I sit down and develop something? And I've seen you on sales platform training. I've seen you on, on stuff. I mean, you didn't even know what prospecting was in those days, right? Or converging a converted sales lead into something more or consultative selling. Did you, how did you learn this stuff? You know, a lot of it, trial and error. And I remember there are some defining moments in people's lives that we all talk about as speakers that, that, make you want to make a change. And I remember mine, I've been on the job about two weeks and it, and it was literally cold calling face to face, 60 doors a day, bring the compliment slips back, ring people on a Friday, trying to persuade them to meet with you. And there was a particular building in Manchester called Portland Tower. And it was a office building that had lots of different companies in. And they deliberately employed security guards in the reception area to stop people going and physically cold calling. Right. That was they were signing up with that organization and they charge more for it. So I'd have to go in the lift, pretend I was part of one of the companies, running as quickly as I could, go up to the 20th floor. I knew I'd get reported. Then I'd have to go down to like the 15th, get out on the fire escape because I'd be reported there, back to the 17th. 
And I remember being on the, the fire escape at the back of the building. I took a call from the office. It was my boss. It was nearly lunchtime. I had a bit of a tough day. A few security guards were chasing me. It was raining. It was Manchester. Um, and the phone calls, how's it going? I said, all right, have you got any orders today? Uh, not yet, but okay. If you haven't got any orders today, uh, don't bother coming back. Oh, my God. Now, it turns out that actually he didn't really necessarily mean it exactly like that. That was his way of trying to motivate me. But I kind of, I just remember being stood there, slumped against the wall and the, the outside of the building, the fire escape, and I had in my hands going, what have I done? What have I got myself into? And that kind of moment, I thought, I'm going to have to do something different here. I'm not doing well. I'm not able to compete. I'm more expensive than everyone else. I can't, I can't differentiate. I can't stand out. I have to do something different. So I kind of went home and thought, what can I do? Well, first of all, I need to work on my motivation. I need to work on my resilience. And then I slowly but surely tried and tested. And, you know, when you're doing 240, 250 uh, cold calls a week, you're doing the activity that uh, that gets you to to practice and, and find out what works and what doesn't. You're making, you know, 200 phone calls on a Friday trying to meet these people. And by a series of, you know, some good luck, some bad luck, some good judgment, some bad judgment and experience, I just started to find things that worked, did those more often, tweaked things, got better results. And then I say, I, I, when I was promoted to sales manager and sales director, I, it pushed me to put what I did into a process because I was getting, you know, I was outselling the rest of the team at one stage. I was doing more than the rest of the team put together. Right. I put it into a process, started training that to my colleagues. They got great results. I thought, great, there's, there's the basis of something here. I just thought what I did was natural, Mike. You know, I just seemed to get engagement with people. I just seemed to get on with them. They give me information that other people wouldn't get. And I just think, I didn't think I was anything that special. And it's all learnable. It's just that it forced me to do certain things in a specific way that got me better results. And that got you the result of becoming known as the top salesperson in the UK and Absolutely. led you into the career where you and I met each other. And, you know, I, I can never fail to appreciate your enthusiasm because you have bagfuls of it. As I say, most people just, they fail spectacularly. They just give up. You know, it's the kind of people that, that moan on Facebook. I had a go then the other day going, <laughs> oh, it's Monday. Or they celebrate on Facebook when it's Friday. Like it makes a difference what you call the day. You know, <laughs> That most people do fail to differentiate themselves, don't they? It, absolutely. And I think that's the, you know, the, the thing that hasn't helped us either is the marketplace now. So you look at things since the internet and, and social media came along. It's changed how people perceive salespeople. 10, 15 years ago, salespeople were the font of all knowledge for, for buyers and decision makers. They'd say, you know, Michael, come and see me. Tell me about the market. Tell me what's going on. Tell me about your new products. Educate me on what's happening. Tell me what other people are doing to stay ahead. Tell me what, what you've got, how it's going to help me. And that was great. We'd go in, we'd make lots of appointments, we'd demonstrate our products to people, we'd make sales. People viewed us as a valued resource. Nowadays, all that information is available on the internet. So if I'm buying, I don't need to see the salesperson. I get that information already, and then I can just go, hey, this is what I'm, here's my specification, here's what I'm looking for, and I'll send it out to 20 different companies and say, here's what I need, give me your best price. Yeah. How do you overcome and, that? Yeah, and even in some circumstances, Michael will say, "I don't know. I don't want to see a salesperson. Don't even want to talk to anybody." Send me Send your me website your first, yeah, and then and then we'll we'll come back to it. So I think there's a couple of key things. One of which is, that, and this is a difference between a standard salesperson and a standout salesperson. The standard salesperson just accepts what's going on. And says, "Great, I'll spend a couple of days, a couple of hours, or a couple of days putting all these details together, particularly if it's a tender or something like that." send it over and, and wait and see what happens. Mm -hmm. 
the standout salesperson goes, before I even engage with this, I want to know a number of things. So the standout salesperson thinks about their win chance. What's my chance of winning this piece of business? So, for example, have we done business with this company before? Yep. If we haven't, there's naturally less chance of us winning that deal. Have they got somebody who they mainly, if we haven't, have they got somebody they normally use for these products? Yes, they have. Great. So the question I would want to ask is, why are you going out to market for this? If you've got a supplier already, why are you looking at using someone else? Because yep. the answer might oh, no, we're not definitely looking at using someone else. We're just exploring the market at this stage. I know from that answer, my win chance is lower, and I'm asked a series of questions to qualify the opportunity. And Mike, the standout selling rule of thumb is the more effort the buyer puts into the process, the more the salesperson should put into the process. The higher our win chance, the more we should chase that piece of business, all being equal in terms of size of deal, et cetera, et cetera. The less willing the buyers are to engage, the less willing we should be to engage with salespeople. The biggest challenge I find, Michael, yeah. is what I call the sales esteem of the salesperson. The, and that's their self-esteem in relation to their sales role. Do they view themselves as equal to the buyers? Do they view themselves as valuable, value-added in the sales process? Or do they just run around as some sort of you know, human pricing machine or quote fodder to people? Depending on how they think about themselves, that's how they'll show up in the sales process. Most buyers, most decision makers beat up salespeople, have them dancing to their tune. That's not good for long-term business. The standout salesperson wants a partnership with their prospects. They want to be in business with the client, have a shared outcome and a shared goal that they're both moving towards. They don't want to be involved in the traditional buyer-seller relationship where the buyers beat up the supplier and they'll say something like, you know, we're rationalizing our purchasing, so you need to drop your prices by 20% this year or we'll move our business elsewhere. That, that's effectively bullying, but that happens to people that don't have a standout relationship. They have a standard relationship. Wow. No, I mean, I know that you can go on for days about this stuff. We've got about a minute left because 15-minute podcasts fly by. Um, Andy, you know, you're easy to Google. You've got more sales um, testimonials than any other sales expert on the planet online. So, Andy Preston, um, where do we find – we can Google your name. That's easy enough, Andy Preston. Um, Google Andy Preston Sales. You'll find me – same on LinkedIn, Andy Preston Sales. You'll, you'll find me everywhere. Come and have a look. Um, I've also got a sales community I'm starting. So for any of your listeners here, Michael, yep. if you message me over the website and mention this interview, um, I'll give them uh, free of charge membership, a lifetime membership to my sales community. There's videos in there. Uh, there's audios. There's some uh, articles. Happy to do that. For, he for never lets an opportunity go by. Wow. <laughs> so go Google Andy Preston sales. Those three words. Put it into Google. Be prepared to be impressed. If you need sales help, boy, this is the guy that's going to help you. I've got to say farewell, my friend. It's, uh, I'll see you in South Africa soon. I know that. I'm looking forward to it. But from Andy Preston and myself, wow, this has been another action-packed in-conference with Michael Jackson. Thanks for being with us on the podcast. Cliffcentral.com.